Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Tonight, we are up to class number five in the introduction of Shar Habitakh in the Gate of Trust. And to those that listen on the SoundCloud, I apologize. Uh, last week's class, I said, was class three, but uh, it was actually class four. So we're currently in class number five in the introduction. Um, and I believe tonight we'll cover most of it and we'll probably conclude next week. Hi, Baruch, welcome. So we're learning advantages, uh, benefits of Bitachon. Hi, Shmuel. And we've learned five spiritual benefits of someone who has trust in Hashem calmness, being able to be direct, have a direct conversation, not be afraid of who you're talking to, not need to worry about your sustenance, whatever money you have, you're happy with, and as well as not allowing the money to get to you. Tonight, we're going to start talking in the words of the Rabbeinu Bachaya about more physical benefits from trusting in Hashem. And the f some of the things we're going to talk about, for example, are oftentimes, oftentimes we make expectations to ourselves. I need in order to enjoy life right now, I need to have this Coke. Or I need to be able to enjoy this specific vacation or this car, whatever in our life it may be. We set expectations of enjoyment, of physical desire. And the, someone who has Bitakhoin is going to know that he doesn't need a physical desire to be a complete person. That is the sixth benefit. Let's see that inside. And if you're following along with the handout, we are on page, page number 14. Okay, here we go. However, the benefits in worldly matters are as follows. Benefit of trust, calmness, and security. Among them is a the peace of mind from worries of the world. And peace from the nagging of the soul. Listen to these words. And it's pain which is due to its lack of obtaining its physical desires. So I don't have that worry. And I don't have that pain from not obtaining physical desires. But the one who has to be talking is at rest. He feels secure. He's at peace in this world. As it is written, like the verse says in Yirmiyah, 
Baruch HaGever. This is a very famous verse. Baruch HaGever. Asher Yiftach Ba'ashem Ashem Yiftach Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord. The Lord shall be his trust. This is a fascinating verse. Look at this verse. Baruch HaGever Asher Yiftach Ba'ashem. Blessed is a man who trusts in Hashem. Ba'ashem Yiftach Now Hashem is his trust. To the similar verse we say, we say, Kaveh Hashem, hope for Hashem. And the verse concludes, Kaveh Hashem, hope for Hashem. And we learned something here fascinating, and that is the highest, the greatest benefit you could have from trusting in Hashem is trust. The greatest benefit you could have from trusting in Hashem is to trust even more in Hashem. Because the more we are able to put our issues on Hashem, let Hashem take care of it, the more peace of mind we'll have and the more Hashem will take care of it. Key line here, we're going to talk about it at a later point. The more we trust in Hashem, the more Hashem will take care of it. That's what the verse says, going back to this verse. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And now you trust in the Lord. The Lord shall be his trust. Hi, Yosef. Good evening. The Amar in the verse says, And the verse says, For he shall be like a tree planted by the water. And near the river, and you'll spread out your roots. So you're going to be really strong. You'll have what you need. But you're not going to be bothered by that concern. Am I going to be able to fulfill my physical desires? And the concern that if I don't fulfill my physical desires, then I've lived a life not worth living. There are people, right, you've, you've probably heard of this. Some people say, before my life ends, I need to do such and such. If I don't tour the world before, my, then I haven't lived a life. No, no, no. You've lived a life by being able to appreciate the moment, by knowing that each moment Hashem is with you. That's living life. That's the first physical benefit. Now, the next benefit is something something else. Something else, meaning it's a very powerful point. And I'm going to kind of cheat and tell you a story that he's going to share, and then we'll get back to it. So the story goes like this. There is this really pious man. He, he thinks that he, he's called a parish. And he meets an idolater. And he turns to the idolater and he says, you're such a fool. We're going to see. He says, literally, he says, you're a fool. You serve God. You serve idols. You trust in idols. So the idolater turns to this pious man. He says, and what are you? He says, me. I'm a Jew. I serve Hashem. I serve the one and only God. So the idolater, he turns to him and he says, no, 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 no. If you served who you're talking about, you wouldn't need to travel town to town to make money. If, if God is the person you're talking about, the way you talk about him, you should have been able to stay where you are and he would have given you money. That's the story. Mark, what do you think about that statement? Do you believe in that idea? If Hashem is Hashem, then we don't need to travel to make money. Well, if you just sit at home and watch TV all day, nothing's ever going to happen to you. 
Uh, Maisha Mello, do you agree with that statement or, or you disagree? With what? <clears throat> do, with what? do you agree Mark, if you sit Mark home and watch TV a whole day, you're not going to make money? No, nothing's going to, nothing, no, I didn't say that. I said nothing's ever going to happen to you. Right, nothing's you want, you happen. Want, you won't experience anything. You won't even experience the opportunity of making any money. I think the point is a person has to assert some effort to move forward. Good. You can't be, you can't be totally passive like that with Mark's example. <clears throat> Very well. And, and what's going to be interesting is we're going to see this second physical benefit. And at, at the end of it, we're going to have numerous questions. And hopefully together with Baruch's help and Myra's help, Morabash's help, we'll, we'll come to some beautiful clarity. Let's see it inside. This, the second physical benefit is benefit of trust. There's no need for excessive travel. You don't need to travel to China and Hong Kong. Let's see it inside. Among the material benefits of trusting in Hashem, relying on Hashem, is that having the talking causes you to have peace of mind, which comes from not needing to travel long distances. What's the problem with traveling long distances? Such travel, which due to the excessive moving around involved and change of climate, one experiences can destroy people's bodies and hastens a person's death. Like King David tells us in Psalms in Tehillim, Ina he has afflicted my strength on the way. As I was traveling, he has shortened my days. In other words, extensive travel physically affects your body and shortens your life. So trusting in Hashem means I trust Hashem could take care of me in Portland. And I don't need to have my family in Portland then every other week travel to San Jose. Now here comes the story, and we're going to regroup after this. Let's see the story inside. And it has been said regarding one of the ascetics. Well, he needed money. So he went to a faraway land to seek his sustenance. At the beginning of his time, when he was going to dedicate himself to God and, and not get involved in the in the physical desires. But he's fresh off the market. He's, he's, he's a fresh produce, just beginning his time of de dedication, devotion to Hashem. And bam, and during his travels, he meets a worshiper of the stars in the city to which he had traveled. Okay, so now he's a stickle of smart aleck. So, so the this person, this holy person, he says to the worshiper of the stars, How much are you? Are you in a? How much are you in a state of ultimate blindness? And lack of understanding in your service to the stars. How foolish are you? Okay, so the idol worshiper turns, he's not, he's not going to take it uh, quietly. Gushi, the idol worshiper responded by saying, aha, okay, I serve the idol. Then what do you serve? 
So the man replied, I serve the Creator who is able to do anything. Who sustains the provider who provides food for each person according to his needs. And there's no one like him. You, you serve idols. But me, I serve Hashem. So the idol worshiper responded by saying, Your actions are contradicting your words. So now the guy's not getting it. So this pious man, this he says, I don't understand. You're telling me my actions contradict my words. How so? Oh, my life. He says, okay, you're going you're gonna to force me to spell it out. Here we go. He says, If what you said were to be true, that Hashem it could provide for everybody anywhere, then God would provide for you in your city just as he provided for you until now. And you would not need to bother yourself to come to this faraway land. In yeshiva, we would call this a shtech. It's kind of digging in. Here comes this man. He thinks he's getting the idol worship. And the idol worship is like, hey, hey, hey. He's digging it in. Okay, so the uh, man gets the message. With this, the argument of the ascetic was suppressed. He returned to his land and accepted upon himself to be an ascetic from that time and on and did not leave the city after this at all. So, this is a story. And again, the message of the story is that if we have real bitachin in Hashem, he could provide for us anywhere. And we wouldn't need to say, only in Manhattan, I'm going to find a job. But here in Portland, there's not, Hashem could take care of you anywhere. I have a question. Before I share with you my question, does anyone have a question on this idea that trusting in Hashem would remove the need for extensive travel? I don't have a question, but I'm willing to share an observation uh, with the risk of embarrassing myself. And that's that when I read through this, I think of multiple things. I think of the expression, uh, don't think that the grass is greener on the other side. Um, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. There's no place like home. And, uh, and also uh, it reminds me of a lot of people who've, who, who, uh, are searching and seeking and 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 they're always trying to find something and they and uh and ultimately they realize that uh what they were looking for was right under their nose uh right home where they were um a lot of people travel around the world for example and come back and say you know now that i've seen the world i realize how good a place i have and, and they come back home um so, uh, you know, so to sum it up, oftentimes uh, the best things in life are right around you. Yes, and, and I appreciate that point. 
um, you are making me realize that in this conversation, I need to clarify that we're not saying you don't need to move. In other words, there comes time no. that, you, that you need to move. What we are saying here is you don't need to constantly travel right. um, and separate from your family and do, yes. Yeah. It's not to say that Mark should have stayed in South Africa. <laughs> Correct. We're happy Mark is here. Right? Yes. Yeah, me and Elon Musk. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what's the big question? The big question is, you know, in Torah, to have a question, you have to ask a question from the Torah. So I'm going to quote to you the Talmud and Tractate Baba Metzia, page 75, side B, and it's the, the tractate is like this. Tanarabbanan, a rabbi, taught us, there's three types of people that cry out, the Enonenen, and they're not going to be helped. Um, and one of them is, Hakone Adon Liatmo, someone who acquires a master on himself. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. What does it mean if you acquire a master for yourself and you cry out? What's the story here? So the Gemara says, three answers. Some people say you have a very rich man and he doesn't want people to know how rich he is. So someone says, hey, who owns this apartment complex? So you know what he says? He says, oh, that complex? John Smith. So John Smith hears this. And he says, wow, I have witnesses that so-and-so said I own that apartment complex. So he goes to the court and he says, "My these two witnesses said they heard this man say the apartment complex, oh, it belongs to me. So actually, the Gemara says that rich man got himself in trouble because the person who he, who he said owns it has real witnesses. And he actually could follow up on that quote and take control of the building. That's one person. Because remember, in Jewish law, two witnesses um, are, are strong, are valid. That's one opinion of what it means an M after for yourself. You made a silly comment, but actually that guy could go now and become a master on you and take the items you said. A second opinion, Ikadamri, another person who created a master for himself and can't do anything, is that Kosev Nechasev Levana Bechayev, someone who he thinks he's doing his children a favor, and he signs off all of his wealth to his children. And then he realizes there's nothing left for himself. There's nothing he could do. He signed it all off away. But listen to the third scenario. And this is the one we're going to focus on. Ikadam, read the third opinion, says, someone who cries and uh, he's acquired a master for himself is the Bishle Bahamasa, someone who is not having any success in city A, and he doesn't move to a different city. So the Talmud is saying, if someone is being unsuccessful in Baltimore, and he says, I'm, not, I'm committed to not leaving here to another city, so he's acquired a master for himself. In other words, he said, Baltimore is my master, and he may, he may not be successful in Baltimore, and he's not willing to leave to another city. That is... Um, He's acquired a master. He's not, he's not going to be able to move ahead. In other words, the Gemara is telling us there are times that to be successful, you do need to move. So how does this work together with what we've learned here that if someone who trusts in Hashem, wherever he is, Hashem could sustain him. Anyone want to try and answer this seemingly seeming contradiction? 
Uh, I'm just thinking about what Mark said and what you've been saying and what Jim said, and it occurs to me to say that, that uh, if you're content with yourself, wherever you are, whether you're moving or here or there or anywhere, and you have pitachon, and you're content to feel as though it's fine as long as you, that, that everything will come to you as long as you don't quite wait too much, to use terms that Mark had used. You're sharing an observation. I'm, I'm trying to summarize a little bit. And Got it. No, I appreciate that. Bit of a point. I appreciate that. Um, so, Yosef, you, you want to share perhaps how we understand this, this idea that the Gemara is telling us at times we need to move on, and yet here we're saying Hashem could provide for you anywhere. Yes, Yosef, please. Hmm. You're on mute. You're on mute. Do you know how to unmute yourself? You're still muted. Think of Russian okay. Jews who came from the pale to uh, Ellis Island second. and to yeah, yeah, New York. Sure. Just, one, just one second. Yes, Joseph. Yes. So uh, I was, to me, uh, as I understand it, there is no uh, a complication in whether you stay or move. Because if you have trust in Hashem, you're really not moving from that trust in Hashem. No matter we stay in a city or go to another city, it's almost like that trust never moves. That trust in Hashem never budges. Yeah. What well said, well said. The trust in Hashem never budges. The question is, how come someone who's trusting in Hashem would need to move to another city to be successful? Because well, he put his trust in Hashem. <laughs> right? And, uh, and that moved him to move to another city for an opportunity that Hashem opened up for him. Yes, but in our story here with this man and the idol worshiper, the, the, the man, the conversation led to say, wherever you are, Hashem could sustain you exactly there. Seemingly, right. there's, no, there's no need to move to be successful. Right, because he's worship, an idol worshiper and he's not putting his trust in Hashem. So it's not going to help him to, to move. Uh, if he doesn't change no no but the idol worshiper taught the this jewish person a lesson that for the the jewish person to be successful there's no need for him to move um so why would the talmud tell us that there are times you need to move to be successful so i want to share two answers that the rosh book is and then uh, Yeshua will come back to your, to your thoughts. He gives two answers. He says, number one, there are times that a person has done a sin and that sin requires him to move as a form of purification, as a form of him um, removing that negative energy and bringing back the blessing to his life. So again, you're true. For you to be successful, you don't need to move. The problem is, you've, if you remember, we spoke about Bitachon being opening your faucet. A sin could close the faucet. And in order for that faucet to be able to be reopened, you need to move on. Um, just one second. 
That is the first answer that the Rashba gives. The second answer he gives is that there are times that the mazel of a city is not good. You know that there's something called mazel, that we say mazel, but you should have good mazel. So there are times that a city's mazel is not good. And it would be better for you to move on to a different place for you to be able to have a lot of good mazel, be successful. So again, yes, Hashem could provide for you anywhere. But if you're finding a challenge, it could be that you need to change your mazel to uh, open up that faucet and have Hashem's blessing. And yes, Yeshua, you, had a question, you, you were going to share. Oh, yeah, all this. Yeah, so what, what I heard from you was in one situation, you may move where you've, you've created, you've done something where it's just best that you, you moved on and started over. Um, it's, it's because of an action of your own uh, and for the sake of the community that for your, for your own sake and for the sake of the community, it's best that you picked up and moved on to another place. Um, and then the other situation is where you're in a situation. And so I'm thinking of, uh, of the Jews in the Pale um, and uh, suffering the pogroms. They, they had a village, life was tough, but they had, you know, some had a home, they had some Parnassa, but they just knew that it wasn't going to get any better. And that they were willing to have uh, trust in Hashem to know that they could just leave with a suitcase and go across an ocean that they've never seen ever before and to arrive in a city that they've only heard about from letters and relatives and to start all over again and that, and that they would prosper. Is, yeah. that, is, is that an example of this? So you're saying that when people needed to make these crazy moves, um, they understood that their mazel would be better somewhere else. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. And we'll talk more specifics, actually, in that um, as we go through the chapters. Yes. So thank you. So, so let's... I mean, again, I assume, like, Mark, you're, you're an example of this. You're a first-generation American, right? Yeah, I mean, I the story you just told is my story. There you go. Um, and you had and you had the tachon that it was in God that in Hashem that everything was gonna it was gonna be for the good. It was gonna work out for you. But here's the thing, and I've actually told Rabbi the story is that I didn't realize Hashem's hand in everything until I looked back. It was just happening to me because I was putting myself out there. And when I look back now, it's like, wow, there's, there's too many things that happened that you could, you could say were coincidences, but there was a definite part, there was a definite hand. Yes, and, and actually just earlier today, someone else on this, this group uh, called me to share similar, that they saw different instances that have just recently come in their life um, and they've been able to see now how really it's been Hashem's hand, those uh, challenges that they now could see its opportunity. Um, 
But here's the thing. I just want to add on to that. And Jim, thank you for saying that is my trust and belief in Hashem was not overt, but it was in here. It was in my, in my heart and my soul, but it was who I am that uh, my belief in, in Hashem that got me through, but it's not overt. It wasn't that I put on tefillin every day or davened every day. I mean, I, I, did, evolution I felt that. Hmm? It was evolutionary, Mark, right? You kind of gradually came to, you know, reached, reached a certain sensitivity about Hashem's presence. Um, I thank you, Maisha Mandel, actually, for that, that thought. And, that, and, and Mark, also, what you're sharing is very tied into what we've learned previously in Tanya, that uh, the, everybody trusts in Hashem, every Jew that has an innate spark. Um, and sometimes it's revealed more, but uh, regardless of their level of, of, of observance and um, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, everybody has a spark of trust and belief in Hashem. And be, that ability to see. So we now go on to the third physical benefit, the eighth benefit in total. And that is that without trust, every opportunity that comes, if, if someone is in need of money, so they will be willing to do corrupt work. They will be willing to do extraneous work that for some is, is uh, really affects their body and will li literally limit their time on, on this world. They'll do difficult work because the moment we don't trust that Hashem is in charge, we can't rely on Hashem. So I just have to find something that works and that's the opportunity. But if we trust in Hashem, we know that he's only going to give us our, what we need in a healthy manner. And we won't be worried that I just need to take what comes my way. Let's see that inside. The benefit of trust in easy occupation. By the way, the word easy is an interesting word. I'm, I'm not sure why they use in the translation the word easy, because we're not saying easy. Rather, we're saying... Uh, a healthy occupation, perhaps. Among the material benefits is that betoffling causes a person to have peace of mind and body. This is very big. Peace of mind and body. What that means is, peace of mind means that, this, that you'll be able to have your mind. It won't be lost on work. that come from not needing to perform difficult work. So you're able to not do difficult work. We're not saying, we're not saying it's going to be easy. We're saying it's not going to be difficult work or engage in occupations that tire out the body. I'm not sure, nothing comes to mind at the moment. Anyone want to share a, an occupation that is just unhealthy for an average person? Because I'm sure there's people that it is healthy for, but an occupation that's just unhealthy for an average person to do? Anything comes to mind? Yeah, the guy that cleans the asbestos out of the roof. 
Okay. The person's cleaning the asbestos, yes. Mining. Mining. Right. These are good examples, yes. The Azoiv, sorry, Yeshua and Moshe Mendel, go ahead. I was going to say some of some of the frontline workers, the medical workers, at least until recently, before the yeah. vaccine came out, they were in tremendous uh, peril doing what they did do. Yes and no, and no means I'll tell you. It's, it's, it's once you bring that up, I have to clarify. Okay. As Jewish people, we've always been willing to be on the front line to heal someone's life. So they've oh, the, the the health workers have put themselves out there. However, that is a, is a holy work. Um, and it wouldn't be an example of something that we would say is, um, is unhealthy to do. That would be almost called Masiras Nefesh, literally doing something to save someone else. But I appreciate that example. It certainly is they put themselves out there at the risk of their own life. Thank you. Additionally, someone that has bitachin will be at, also be at peace due to him being able to abandon the service of kings and their laws. So working for the king comes with a very high price tag. Um, and, and I say that with two meanings. Number one is you'll get paid very well. So it's great to work for the king. It's great to work for the government. But on the other hand, um, at times working for the government is corrupt. You're not doing what's appropriate. To avoid the corruption of their servants. So if you feel that money is going to come to you only by your own work, so whatever comes your way is what you'll be willing to do. Um, however, let's, con let's continue. We're now on page 16. One who trusts in the Almighty chooses those means of sustenance for himself, which entail more rest for his body, which give him a good name, and which leave his heart free from worry. So look here, we're not saying you choose something that allows you to watch TV a whole day, not at all. But we are saying you're choosing something which will allow your body to get the rest it needs, it will bring you a good name, not fame, a good name. People will respect you. And as well as um, taking something that will free, that will allow you to be free from worry. And in addition to this, it also will allow you to find something. He also chooses an occupation which are more helpful for his Torah obligations. How could you do this if you're if there's nothing assisting you in in insuring you have what you need so then you just need to take what you get however with the all this is due to his strong belief that the means of sustenance will not add to his amount of sustenance, nor will it cause him to lack anything. His amount of sustenance will only be increased or decreased by the decree of the Almighty Blessed Be He. Hashem is in charge of how much I'll make. I will not make a penny more or a penny less because of my own work. 
And now we're going to quote two verses on this commission as the verse tells us in Tehillim, two verses in Tehillim. Kilomi Mosa, Umi Marav, Velomi Midvaharu. As it says in Tehillim, for it is not from the east or from the west, nor from the desert that elevation comes. Kielokim Shofet, the Yaspil Vazayarim, rather God judges. He humbles this one and elevates that one. So your brilliance. Or living in the east, living in the west, living on a mountain. That's not what's going to make you wealthy. Hashem judges someone who's haughty, he could humble. Someone who's humble could, be, could have all the money they need. Vi'amara in a second verse, bin Ostesha, you know this from chapter 23. Hashem causes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. The verse is saying it's giving the example of the sheep, and we are Hashem's sheep, that Hashem takes us to green pasture. He gives us um, what's good for us mentally and physically. So, trusting in Hashem and knowing that Hashem is going to take care of us allows us to be able to look for a healthy job, one that is healthy for us mentally, one that is healthy for us physically, and when, if God forbid, someone is in an unhealthy um, environment, then they should know that Hashem is in charge and Hashem will give them what they need in a, in a healthy environment. Now, I want to clarify this statement. I just made a, I made a, bold, a little bit of a bold statement. I said, Hashem will help you in a healthy environment. How do you know, the question is, how do you know if you're in a really unhealthy or a really healthy environment? How do we know when it's time to call it quits? Going back to that example of, how do you know when it's time for you to leave your city? And I'd like to talk about this idea um, for the next few minutes we have. So again, I'm, let's review the three benefits we've learned so far. And then I wanna talk about how you know if what you're doing is correct or it's time for you to look into a different opportunity. So the three physical benefits we've learned tonight you have by having this, be talking, this trust, this reliance on Hashem is the ability to appreciate what you have and not need to fulfill every physical desire that exists. You're able to be satiated. You're able to be satisfied with what you have. The second thing was the ability to not need to physically travel so much. I'm able to, to find a healthy occupation where I live. Hashem will take care of me where I am. And the third thing is the ability to know that Hashem will take care of me with a healthy job. And if the job is unhealthy, again, whether mentally, whether physically, or whether spiritually, it's not for me. But how do I know? How do I know? How do I make these tough decisions? Okay, let me ask you this question. How does a Jew make these tough decisions if they know, is this job good for me or it's not good for me? Is it time for me to move on from this city? How do we make these decisions? Can I interject something? Is it, on, is it on this question? 
I think it's on this question, but it goes back to the question of traveling, the aesthetic and the idleness. Okay, so go, go ahead, yeah. We're, we're supposed to enjoy life. I mean, we're not aesthetics. I don't think that that section about the aesthetic and the idol worshiper is actually about traveling physically where you might be. I think it's a little more than that. I think in this, in the spiritual sense that it's about, uh, about recognizing that, not that everybody around you is an idol worshiper and you're an aesthetic, but I think we're supposed to identify obviously more with the aesthetic than with the idol worshiper in that, in that scenario. So um, what, what, what's the topic I'm trying to get, <laughs> the topic I'm trying to get to that you wanted to talk about? Well, let me repeat what you're saying, and I think it's kind of actually a healthy lead. And so what Shmuel is saying is that we shouldn't get this impression we shouldn't travel. And, and I want to add to that. You're right. In our conversation now, we didn't say you shouldn't travel for vacation. Actually, it's a very healthy thing to go on vacation. And it's a very healthy thing to be able to relax. And, it's and about vacation. I think it's about, uh, it's about sensing when and where you need to to try to get to what you're talking about, make the next change or move in your life. To... And yes, we never said, let me say, it, it, we, in, in our conversation here, we're not saying you shouldn't take the opportunity to do business travel. When we were, the conversation was back in those days, there were people that would leave their home for months at a time. They would be peddlers. They had a, they had a wife and children in a city. And then for months, they would leave and go traveling around the countryside. And, uh, and that is where we're saying the, the leaving your family for so long and, and the constant not sleeping properly at night. Um, the, Hashem can provide for you in a, in a fashion where you'll be able to live appropriately where you are. Um, and similarly, there are people today that they're constantly traveling around the world. Um, and that's something that I think they need to check in with themselves. Is that healthy for them? And if it's not healthy, then they need to know that Hashem can provide for them in other fashion. You're um, talking about sort of people who travel just for the sake of traveling. No, 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 even for business. There's people, let's say they're traveling every other day from Asia back. Those people have to evaluate, is it healthy for me? Is it, or is it too much for my body? So, so here's what I want to go back to that question I asked earlier is how do you know if it's too much for you? How do you know if it's time for you to move on from the city? And for that, we learn ethics of our fathers, um, practical advice. And I hope if nothing else, we'll take this. And that is, make for yourself a rabbi and purchase a friend. Very interesting wording. It says, make for yourself a rabbi. Uh, now, I don't mean rabbi, I mean an instructor, someone who could instruct you. And actually means like to purchase. You should purchase a friend. What does that mean? It means that there are times that you... Tonight, we're just going to focus on the make for yourself a, 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 an instructor. Every person, the practical advice is, every person needs to have somebody 
that they are able to confide whatever it is in their life. We can't be, for this to truly work, the ethics of our father teaches us, and the Rebbe spoke a lot about this, for it to really be successful, you can't have secrets. You can't hide, tell them half information. You have to be really transparent with them. But for us to make these decisions, we should acquire an instructor. We should have someone we're able to really confide in and ask their advice. Someone who's not biased and say, after hearing this story, what do you suggest? And listen to this. Their answer is Hashem's answer. What do I mean? The instruction of Pirkei Avis, make for yourself this this. Uh, instructor, this rabbi who's going to be able to connect with you, that is a direct, Hashem is saying that this is something I'm going to be involved in. If you're going to be able to create this relationship, um, so when that person is going to give you that advice, it's Hashem's advice, because Hashem has instructed you how to go about this. But without this, it's not, we shouldn't just go ahead and start saying, oh, I need to move today. Actually, I should stay in my city. You know what, this job is not good for me because we have many of our own biases and, and uh, it's important that we're able to build this relationship. So my, my, my practical message for you, I've done this for many, many years and it's been a lifesaver for me. And I hope I could encourage you all to do this is to ensure that there's someone who you're able to be open with, honest with, um, and when things come up, you're able to ask their advice um, and then take that advice as real advice, as advice that Hashem has, has a hand in. Um, any questions? 